Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... People who've come from other countries, you know what everybody thinks about Americans. They think we're loaded because on a comparative basis, we are. Now, is it okay to enjoy the the goodness of God's gifts and material prosperity? Yes, indeed it is. But that is until greed rules us. And greed is a subtle, subtle sin. So here's here's the diagnostic questions that we want to ask ourselves. Um, Am I thankful for what I have? Am I thankful for what I have? Or am I constantly lusting for what I don't have? Most of us know that the Christian church is to be loving, but is that what we're known for? In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, writing to churches during his time and throughout the ages, emphasizes the need for individual and corporate love. This is how we look like our Heavenly Father and represent Him well to the world. It requires a servant mentality instead of a serve-me mentality. However, this is not done begrudgingly, but rather, like Jesus, in voluntary self-sacrifice to God and our fellow man. While this sounds hard, with God's help and power, we can all progress towards this. For this all-important teaching, let's join Pastor Jim. So, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. Anyone who would turn to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ will actualize or will realize the forgiveness of those sins, new life in Christ, and be adopted into the family of God. We also know that on the cross that Jesus represented us in death. We who are Christians, if anyone's here and they're not a Christian, we're we're glad that you're here. We can be happy to, to pray with you tonight if you want to seek Christ, if you want to put your trust in him. But on the cross, Jesus Christ also represented us. He paid for our sins, but he also represented us in death. We don't have to die anymore. We are, no, we are not going to die. We're going to be absent from our body, present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the apostle said this, For the love of Christ compels us. We are motivated. We are pushed forward. We are under compulsion because of the love of Christ, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. Now, again, that's how he was our representative in death. Now, there's a couple things we have to be clear on. It is impossible for you to be the representative for all the world in death. We understand that, don't we? It is impossible for us to die for the sins of others. Now, we can We can take the penalty for someone else's crime or something like that, but we can't take their sins away. They still did it. So these are things that only Jesus can do. However, we can make sacrifices for people. We can make willing sacrifices for people. So the things that Jesus did in terms of paying for our sins and redemption, and the sending of the Holy Spirit, and adoption into the family of God, we can do none of that. But like Christ, because he sacrificed voluntarily and willingly for us, we can sacrifice 
voluntarily and willingly for others. So what the apostle is doing here is he is showing us in a practical sense what true Christ-like love looks like. It is the commitment that the people in the family of God, in the local church, in the church at large, it is the commitment that we are to have to one another. Now, I'm going to be critical here for a second, but I'm going to say this, that it sadly seems to me that few American Christians realize this. Few American Christians see this. They seem to be all about what's in it for me, what, what did I get out of it? You know, people all the time, they go to church and they go, well, I didn't get that much out of it. We come to church to worship God. Remember that? How many times are we going to go over that? We come to church to worship God. We worship God when we sing. We worship God when we pray. We worship God when we hear what he has to say in his word. And then what we are to then go out and love like Christ loves. Now, by, by, by tying it to the cross, do we realize what an amazing challenge this really is? By tying it to Jesus' sacrifice of his own life, we're worried about a little bit of a sacrifice of time or a little bit of money. By sacrificing his own life and, and, and challenging us and by tying it to the cross, he's showing us that to walk in love, that's the commandment, to walk in love involves costly personal sacrifice. You can't dance around this. This is what he's talking about here. It is putting others first in order to build up the body of Christ. It is, it is laying our own personal comfort aside. It is laying our own agenda aside for others. Now, some of you go, absolutely impossible. No way. I'm an American through and through, even though I've only been in this country for six months. It's happened already. I'm an American through and through, and every commercial and every television ad I watch and everything that's going on, I, selfish, selfish, selfish. Romans 5.5 5 says this, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So if you think this life is impossible, we can get on the, we can get on the path realizing that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live and love not the way the world lives and loves, but the way the Father and the Son live and love. So what, is that, what does that look like in real life? Well, well, on the cross, Jesus was a sacrifice for others. We always say he died in our place for our sins. And to sacrifice for others is really to do something for them or towards them in, in their place. I'm going to do this for someone so they don't have to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to help someone so, so, so they're not going to have to worry about this themselves. Perhaps nothing brings this out more of where we are in this place in a, in a church more than being a servant or serving. And sadly, there's all different kinds of things that go through people's mind when they, are, when they are serving in a church. One of them is that once they get a little bit soured and a little bitter, they start to look around at all the people who are doing nothing. 
Well, my advice to you is if you're looking around at all the people who are doing nothing, you're not busy enough. Come see me. I have more for you to do. <laughs> As I often tell every, the young people at our church, they're saying, oh, I'm working so hard. I'm working so hard. I always say, the boss's job is to pile as much work on you as possible, and your job is to cry uncle. So if you're looking around at what everybody else is not doing, we got plenty of stuff for you to do. Because some people get very prideful about it. I'm serving. I'm serving. Remember, we don't have to serve. We get to serve. Serving God is a privilege. So you say, okay, well, I am serving. There you go. Well, what about your attitude? Are, 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 you, are you jumping in for others? Are you, are you, are you, let me ask you a question. When you come in, uh, most of the people here are one week on, one week off. Not everybody, but most of them are one week on, one week off. Do you check in on the people in your ministry? You're like, I would, but I'm 20 minutes late. Okay, come early. <laughs> Do you check in on the people in your ministry? Can I get you anything? You know, would you like a glass of water? Can I help you with something? You need something out of the supply closet. What's going on? Is everybody here today? Do you, oh, they're coming late. You want me to help you hold down the fort until they get here? Is that, is that the way we're thinking? Or we're just so much about, I got to get in. I got to get in. I got to get in. Or, 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 or are we always expecting other people to cover for us? Is that, is that a sacrificial serving? Or is that kind of like, well, you know, I kind of, if it fits me. Or, or some people, and I'm just telling you what, what goes on, it goes on every church, goes on here, goes on, goes on everywhere. It stops for a while when I talk about it, but I mean, I mean, a lot of people have Saturday night fever. You're like, what's Saturday night fever? Do you know, I'm going to inform you of this, do you know that when you put in a servant change on late Saturday night that it texts all the pastors? Do you know that? Some of you are like, no, I didn't know that. You're like, oh, February 8th, I won't be here. <laughs> You're like, it's October, bro. <laughs> right? and, and we're thinking, because we're always worried that it's a children's teacher. And we're going to have to find cover for, coverage for the children. Or Sunday morning. Do you ever get the Sunday morning servant flu? It's a strain of the blue flu that the cops get. <laughs> you know, people just say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't really feel like it today. You know, I, you think, well, you would never go through that, Pastor. I go through that every morning, every Sunday morning. I'm like, oh, gosh, it's Sunday again. How faithful you are, Lord, to bring Sunday to us. You know, or, you know, people come up to my office and they're like, how's the message? And I go, it would be great if I had another four hours. And they're like, well, you got four minutes. So, so we have to be careful about our attitudes towards serving. Do I have a volunteer mentality or a servant mentality? I think it's so important to remember that, that serving is... Is, is not the end. Serving is a new step. It's a fresh step. It's a new beginning of part of your sanctification of becoming more like Christ. And, and honestly, we've said this many times before, we don't, we don't have people in our church serve to accomplish something, right? We accomplish something in people through serving. Like, it should change the way we think. I mean, it's really serving should 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 go out to all areas of our life. Serving in the church and being aware of others and what's going on should make followers of Jesus servants at their home. Servants at, at their at their work. Constantly, always looking for opportunities to to help people. 
you know, you see a neighbor carrying something or, or something going on, and just these are these are these are ways to grow. And honestly, if that's the case, and young people, please take note of this. Just don't take the the. Uh, this is just the ramblings of a crazy old pastor. But we should be, because of this, we should be the most in-demand people in the marketplace. People should be noticing us. I mean, when I go to a restaurant, having been in business for so many years, I go to a restaurant, if I notice good service, I'll always, I'll say to the person, and, and what I'm talking about is not just friendliness, I'm talking about attention to details, being thorough but not obnoxious. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'll say to them, so tell me, what are you doing with your life? What, what's your plans? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just do this forever. I'm like, don't, you're, you've got talent. Don't, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Back in the days, that's how I used to find people to come work for me. I'd pilfer them from the restaurants. <laughs> but, but, but really, we should be in demand in the workplace. And at the very least, our, our bosses should rave about us. You know, it's kind of like when Joseph went to Potiphar's house, he's like, man, ever since that Hebrew kid got here, wow, everything is just so different. Everything is just going so much better. Why? Because, because Joseph managed everything like it was own except for Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar gladly gave him everything like that. And notice the Apostle Paul says such sacrifices in verse 2 are to God and they are for a sweet-smelling aroma. Like, like Christ's acceptable sacrifice because it, it's acceptable because it's done for God. Now, this is a distinctive of Christian living, uh, giving ourselves to others in, in voluntary service to others, to God and for the kingdom. You know, it's important to see that, that the Christian life is not just the absence of sin and wickedness. I think sometimes that's what we think it is and sometimes that's, that's what we're known for. But, it, but it's also the presence of love and grace and good works towards others. We're, we're to put off the sin. We're to put off the wickedness. We're to put off the selfishness. We'll be talking about that in a second. But you're looking forward to that. And, um, but, but, but we are to love and, and, and to care for other people. Now, again, what I want to ask you right now is soul searching. I, I don't have any desire to condemn anybody. I want you to make a, a personal observation not, not, to, not to judge anyone. Is that what the church in America is known for? I mean, are we, are we known for our love? Are we known for our grace? Are we known for our, our good works? I mean, look at so many hospitals that are named after people of the faith. There was a time when we were known for some of that stuff. And now big business comes in and buys it, and it's all about the bottom line, and I understand the bottom line, but, but there's a service aspect to it as well. I think clearly you could say right now in American culture, um, we're known for what we are against. I'm not saying that's right, but that's what people think about us. So we're going to have to work hard in the other direction to try and undo it. But we want to be known for our love towards others, both inside and outside the church. Every time I hear about Churches fighting in their church, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm nuts. When people want to do that here, I'm like, here's the deal, man. We don't do that here. We are the church drama refugees, right? <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't want that here. Don't, please change, please. You don't want to be like this. It's a miserable existence. 
And, and, and this may seem odd to you, but often it's, it's those that are considered the most loving by people in the church that are considered the least loving by the church staff. You know, that, that's, that's really, and that's, a, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to accept because, or their coworkers consider them to be very unloving. You know, when, when, I, when I own my, my trucking company, if the back door was locked and nobody was answering the door, we'd eventually tell the driver to go around to the front door. And they would always say, what a difference you get treat, how you get treated walking in the front door than when you, get, when you go in the back door. Go in the front door, hi, how can I help you? You go in the back door, oh, another delivery. We have no room in the stock room. Take it, bring it back tomorrow. We're like, oh, we don't control it, man. Call your corporate office. But we don't want to be like that, do we? And sometimes people that, that, that try to act very loving in one sense, it's, it's, it is really just an act. Why is that? I don't know. Perhaps a desire to be seen and not to serve, to, to, talk, to talk about love but not live a life of sacrifice. Verse 3. So now the Apostle Paul is going to attack the fleshly living among the people of God. And he's going to really talk about the opposite of love. He says, but fornication, fornication, sexual, uh, another version says sexual immorality. That is, that is pornea. That is all sexual activity outside of heterosexual marriage and all uncleanness, that's just a form of crudeness. He's using very broad terms. Uh, or covetousness, some of your versions say greed. Let it not even be named among you. Another version says must not be heard among you as is fitting for saints. And remember the saints are, are the people of God. Verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, uh, other versions say not suitable or improper, improper for the people of God, but rather, and then he gives us an alternative, giving of thanks. Now, it's very interesting that, that he talks about living this way, which is the world's way. It, it not only affects the people that are doing it, but it also affects all the people of God. One of the things we have to remind all of ourselves is the, the way we live our lives affects all of us. It affects all of us and, and everyone around us too. Also notice there, there's nothing new here. You see these descriptions? He says it's a 2,000-year-old letter. And, and this is what we see going on in our culture. It's nothing new. God is not like, oh my goodness, I never anticipated this stuff. It's been going on forever. What changes? What changes is the way we name it and the way we deliver it. We used to have the, all kinds of different names for these places where we weren't supposed to go to when we were younger men, and now they call them a gentleman's club. <laughs> How sophisticated. How sophisticated. And, and, and uh, the, you know, now it's like, oh, we just want to help you relax. Okay. And, and so, the, and then we changed the way we deliver it. It's, oh, now it's available on the internet. So, so they, they, they just change the way they talk about it and the way they deliver it. And the Apostle Paul says, this is conduct unbecoming a follower of Jesus Christ. This is not the way we act. And, and you know, sometimes I look at some of the stuff that people say about the church and a lot of it I will push back on and I'll say, well, I think that's part of the church. And, and, but, but, but some of the things you, you can't entirely argue about. 
I study the Bible a lot, and thank you for letting me do that. I appreciate that. God bless you for that. But, and I, I do believe with all of my heart that the evangelical position is the correct interpretation of the Bible. But, but, but yet, we are constantly um, told by the, by the culture that we are homophobic, yet our own house isn't in order. And, and so we have to be very, very careful of the way we talk about certain groups of people, or those people, when, when our own house is not in order, when, when all branches of, of the church are just full of scandals, just absolutely full of scandals. And if you don't know much about those scandals, good for you. Good for you, because I am constantly bombarded with emails and, and things from people about these about these things. And it's interesting, even if you want to say, well, we may be doing better than the rest, the, the American church in the past has been crusaders against some of these things. But did you notice the one thing on that list that we are not crusaders against? Covetousness and greed. It has been called the great unconfessed sin of the West. Not, not just the rich, the entire West, the entire Western part of the world. You people who've come from other countries, you know what everybody thinks about Americans. They think we're loaded because on a comparative basis, we are. Now, is it okay to enjoy the, the goodness of God's gifts and material prosperity? Yes, indeed it is. But that is until greed rules us. And greed is a subtle, subtle sin. So here's the, here's the diagnostic questions that we want to ask ourselves. Um, am I thankful for what I have? Am I thankful for what I have? Or am I constantly lusting for what I don't have? So that neighbor who you don't really particularly care for too much, you know, he blows his leaves on your lawn. He doesn't, he doesn't cut the grass all the way over. Or he has his landscapers do his devil work for him. <laughs> But let me ask you the question. Um, that neighbor you don't like, when he, when he drives in the driveway with a brand new car, what do you think? You're like, I'm driving a beater. When my wife and I moved up here, we were driving through some rich neighborhood. And, and she goes, how do these people afford to live here? And I said, well, most of them probably don't tithe. <laughs> I know that's not very prosperity gospel, but it's probably partially true. I mean, to covet is to have an ungodly desire for more. It's to have an ungodly desire for what God hasn't given to you. Or let's go down the other thing he was talking about, perhaps, is, let me ask you a question, is, 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 is your identity and your sexuality, that seems to be the new thing in our, in our society. You want the bad news? I and mean, most of you know this. Some of you don't. It will fade away. <laughs> I you're, 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 there's other things that you can have on your mind, right? And uh, ask any parent what they spend a lot of time thinking about, and it's their kids. Or, or is my identity and my sexuality like the culture, or is my identity in Jesus Christ who promises eternal joy, who promises that will never fade away? And notice that he, he, he just tucked away the cure at the end of verse 80. He said the cure is giving of thanks. 
remembering and constantly rehearsing and verbalizing the grace of God in our lives. What happens if we don't? What happens if we don't live as thankful Christians? Well, I think failure to be thankful often results in feeling sorry for ourselves. And what happens when we feel sorry for ourselves? A lot of people, when they feel sorry for themselves, they feel entitled to indulge in sin. Like they deserve it. And, and there's so many things that people do that we think that we, we, we deserve. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.